Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings programs, we're a day late but not a dollar short here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So Derek, um, how has your week been, my friend? Yeah, pretty uneventful. D- didn't, <laughs> didn't really do much. It's funny because I was actually going to use that exact quote that you did. Yeah, yeah. We're a day late but not a dollar <laughs> short, so great minds think alike. That's awesome. No, So as we record this, I just got back home from Las Vegas yeah. Did you get any hookers? <laughs> hookers in <and> blow. <laughs> so I will say this. Only in Vegas can you be on one block and you get asked to go to a strip club and then you go to the following block and you're asked to repent for your sins. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Vegas. Yeah. But no, it was. Uh, so I went for this conference called the National Sports Forum. It's basically teams from minor league and major league teams get together, have breakout sessions and discuss ideas from, you know, ticket sales to promotions, sponsorship, various things like that. That's cool. So, so I left funny note. Um, I went out the night before my flight and, um, cause my, my friends who are in a band here did a show downtown. So I went to support them and whatnot, got home really late. Slept through all my alarms and almost missed my flight. Ooh, but, that's my biggest I, fear when I fly oh, anywhere. <laughs> I was flipping the hell out. Oh, I'm sure when that happened because I, I set four alarms and I slept through all of them. Oh my god! <laughs> I know it was. I was in such a panic, but luckily when I got to the airport, there was no one in the security line. Oh, that's so good. I was. 
I was able to make it, you know, with with still some some time to spare. Uh, but overall, trip was great. Um, I did post some photos on my Facebook and my Instagram, so got to do a lot of cool things. Went to a show, um, saw the Golden Knights, their hockey team, yeah. which was badass. Um, conference was good. Ate a lot of very unhealthy food. So all in all, it was it was a really really good trip. Did you do any gambling? I did not do any gambling. That's the one thing I didn't do because my track record with gambling is is not good, and I didn't want to lose money. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like there's no real point for me to go to Vegas because I live you know in yeah Ocean Springs Mississippi, which is right next to Biloxi Mississippi, which is um, you know we got casinos like every ten feet. So yeah. And I don't go. I don't go gambling here. So why would I go off somewhere to gamble? <laughs> like that's just defeats the purpose of a vacation. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to say that uh, John Jekyll is in the chat room tonight. Mixmaster. He's uh, asked me the other night if we usually do a show uh, other than Tuesday nights because he usually has like some kind of work thing on Tuesday nights. So I told him we're do- doing it Wednesday this week, and he actually got to join us tonight in the chat room. So welcome. Sweet. Uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining. And um, uh, my week's been pretty uneventful, too. Uh, we talked about it before the show, but I've been taking kickboxing classes again. Uh, I was uh, in martial arts when I was a teenager, did a lot of kickboxing, Shotokan, karate, stuff like that, grappling, back when MMA was still in its infancy. And um, that, I used to love it. And I am in love with kickboxing class, but good Lord, it's expensive. <laughs> At this rate, you're going to have to add on all your business cards, professional yeah. badass. That's right. I'm going to do that. Like <laughs> J-Funktastic J professional badass. <laughs> That's the dream, my friend. But if you hear my stomach rumbling, it's because I haven't eaten yet. Uh, I had just enough time to get home, take a shower, and uh, I haven't had a chance to eat yet. So my stomach's kind of rumbling right now. So if you hear that uh, a weird noise, that's what it is. No, and, I uh, totally understand. I've had... I've had one meal today because I've just been I, I will say this. I've learned that I get very fidgety on airplanes, especially with long flights. Mm-hmm. Because flying from Vegas to Atlanta was like three hours. And by the end of it I'm just, you know, like just itching to get off the plane. Try being even six from, foot three <laughs> on a right? plane these days. Uh but yeah, even from Atlanta to Pensacola, I was getting really fidgety, and that's like a 45-minute flight. Yeah. but uh, John says, after hearing you guys talk about Legend of the Mystical Ninja, he's still a few episodes behind, but uh, he said he's going to get it for his Wii U and try it out. Uh, he still has a rock and a Wii U. That's awesome. Love it. <laughs> but that's Legend awesome. of the Mystical Ninja is one of my favorite SNES games, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's good. And that but, that's the cool thing about podcasting you can just binge them if you want absolutely so you should I, I, go through the the whole catalog other than the news segments i mean this this podcast is pretty evergreen i mean you can go back and listen to any one of them you want yeah for sure but uh speaking of news let's go ahead and move into the news tonight shall we let's do it big news tonight oh boy <laughs> okay so 
I got to give a shout out to Tyler Watson for this because right before I called Jason to do this show, I was on Facebook and I simply saw the headline Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening remake. And I said, what? Where? Where? How have I not known about this? But there was a Nintendo Direct today. And this comes to us from IGN.com. The beloved Game Boy game is coming to the Switch. Nintendo has announced a full remake for the Game Boy Classic, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Nintendo Switch. And it is planned for a 2019 release. How is that? They've obviously been working on it. Well, they had said uh, a a few weeks ago, or it might have been even more recent than that, that there were games they were working on that that they haven't announced yet. And this... This clearly is one of them. But if you can see the screen caps on the article. Oh, my gosh. And it has, and it has a link to the trailer. It looks very much like uh, Link Between Worlds for the 3DS. And I think that's the perfect style to go with this. I'm I'm so amped for this. Like I've, I said this when I reviewed this game a while back. It's one of if not the most underrated Zelda game in the entire franchise. I'm looking and, at some of the screen caps now. This looks so awesome. Oh, and the trailer looks so good. You should definitely check it out whenever whenever we're done. Mm-hmm. And there's even a couple of screen caps from it. Like Link looks, you know, all like badass and animated and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, but no, I'm... Good. It, it doesn't give an actual release date yet. But the fact that we're getting it this year is is fantastic, and I this will be a day one purchase for me. I cannot wait to play this. I'm guessing this is probably going to be a holiday release. That would be my guess. But either way, you know it's it's going to be good, and it, it's it's a nice little surprise. And there there are other things from the direct as well, but uh, the big thing was the Link's Awakening remake. I can't wait for that. Oh my God, it's yeah, such good you'll, news. You'll love it. <laughs> you'll love it. Um, but on our next story, this comes from NintendoLife.com. Spotify users can now enjoy a new batch of Capcom tracks following a huge music dump. Fans of chiptune and video game music in general have a whole bunch of freshly released tracks to enjoy Thanks to Capcom dropping a boatload of albums on Spotify. They range from the classic NES Mega Man through PS1-era Resident Evil, Monster Hunter, Phoenix Wright, Devil May Cry, EX Troopers, and the list goes on. So are you a Spotify listener? I am, actually. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a big Spotify fan, and this is really cool. And it's something that you know I wish other game publishers would do. Because I remember back in the the days of LimeWire and Napster and whatnot, one of the big things that I tried to do was find video game soundtracks. And I I remember back in the the days of burning CDs, I had this video game like anthology that I made. Like I had one disc with NES music, another with SNES music, you know, N64 and so on and so forth. So I think it's really cool that Capcom did this. And I wish other companies would do the same. Oh, absolutely. And um, I'm, I don't usually listen to Spotify too much. I'm more of a Amazon Prime listener. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might have to jump over to Spotify and just listen to some chip tunes. You should know Spotify has a lot. Like they don't have every single song in existence, but they've got a lot. 
Well, that's what kind of why I kind of jump back and forth between like Amazon Music and Spotify and stuff like that. Because between like two or three music services, you pretty much can get everything. <laughs> but yeah, that's what kind of sucks about it. Because some of them have stuff I like, some of them have other stuff I like. So it's, I just wish it was all in one platform. Well, you can say the same about streaming video too. You know, yeah. Netflix has things that Hulu yeah. doesn't. Amazon Prime has things that the others don't have, so Pretty it's, the same, it's the same same situation. Yeah. Our next story also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Combined sales of SNES Mini and NES Mini likely to surpass lifetime Wii U sales. That's crazy. God, that's un- that's so <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, th- Look that at was, this those graph and how many units the Wii sold. Over 100 million units of the Wii. That's it's the ult- it's the ultimate casual gamer's console. I mean, the original NES only sold what, like sixty three? Yeah, somewhere around sixty three yeah. million. And it seemed like everybody had one. And the Wii U almost doubled that. Uh oh, side note, John says that uh he still has a ton of CDs that he made from LimeWire. Oh yeah, me too. I still have mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've I've got some still at my parents' house. I killed uh, at least two or three computers with LimeWire. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, this there's a graphic on this um on this article that basically shows the lifetime hardware sales of Nintendo consoles as of December 31st, 2018. Wow. The amount of Wii consoles is staggering. And the thing that's almost as crazy is that you can see the decline from the NES down to the GameCube. Yeah. Like, I had no idea it was like that. I didn't either. I could have swore that the N64 sold more than that. I thought the SNES sold as many units as the NES. Like, that was a popular console. I mean, I knew the GameCube was kind of the downfall of nintendo when they went through their really rough patch but well i kind of think maybe in the snes era n64 era like the uh, early to mid early to late 90s you know from like 93 to probably 98 you had a lot of competition too popping up because you had you know not only the sega genesis but you also had playstation one uh the turbo graphics 16 then you had like the jaguar and all that kind of stuff so that was kind of a tough era to be in, I guess. Because, I mean, in the 80s, the NES was top dog. Yeah. Yeah, because the Atari was on its way out at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. But the the thing that stands out to me as far as the verbiage of this article goes, it says here it might seem unfair to combine the sales of the two retro-powered systems, but if you think about it, that did not have nearly the same level of marketing as the Wii U. I know because the Wii U had a big midnight launch. Um, it had you know some online capabilities. The thing with the Wii U though is that it never had, it didn't have that big game to go with it. Yeah. At at launch, you know, with the Switch, you had Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. With the Wii U, you had New Super Mario Brothers U, and those are fun games, but that's not a launch title. Well, I still think the Switch has a lot of life left in it, too. I mean, it's oh, for sure. probably got another, I'd say, four to five years. I mean, plus they're probably going to do an upgrade to it in the next year or so. So I think Switch sales are probably going to match at least the Super Nintendo by the time everything's said and done. Yeah, because it's almost even with the N64 right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. 
So you got to so, think they're probably going to sell at least another thirty to forty million cop, you know, consoles by the time it's over and done with. I would think. And I would love for it to match or even surpass the Wii. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, that was just a, a pure enigma. But like I said, yeah. the Wii was that was the ultimate casual gamers console because you had all the party games. Yeah. Well, I think the, the Wii made enough money for Nintendo that where they could bomb at least another 10 consoles. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. Uh, but for our last story, this comes from the New York Times. Gerald A. Lawson, a pioneer in video games, dies at 70. Let me get this out of the way here. Uh, Gerald A. Lawson, a largely self-taught engineer who became a pioneer in electronic video entertainment, creating, creating the first home video game system with interchangeable game cartridges, died on Saturday at his home in Mountain View, California. He was 70, and he lived in Santa Clara. Uh, the cause was complications of diabetes. Um, before, let's see, eh, it was Mr. Lawson who made it first possible to play a variety of video games at home. In the mid-70s, he was director of engineering and marketing for the newly formed video game division of Fairchild Semiconductor. And it was under his direction that the division bought to market in 1976 the Fairchild Fanal Channel F, a home console that allowed users to play different games contained on removable cartridges. Until then, home video game systems could only play games that were built into the machines, like Pong machines. Did you ever see any Pong machines? They used to be all over the place mm -hmm. in, in uh, thrift stores back in the 90s. But uh, he was absolutely a pioneer. Alan Alcorn, a creator of the granddaddy of video games, Pong, said in an interview with the San Jose Mercury News in March, when you do something for the first time, there is nothing to copy. Um Let's see, he was born in Brooklyn in 1940. I mean, this dude basically like set the stage for all home video consoles back in the 70s. So this dude kind of left quite a legacy. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's something that, you know, is unthinkable now is not having an individual game yeah, or a cartridge, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I I had no idea. Like the, the name sounded familiar, but I had no idea that he was that influential in the history of video games. Yeah, I didn't either. He wasn't a fan of uh, video games nowadays. Uh, he was. He had a. Let's see. Where was this interview? Uh, he said in a 2009 interview, "I don't play video games that often. I really don't. First of all, most of the games that are out now, I'm appalled by them. Most are concerned with shooting somebody and killing somebody." To me, a game should be something like a skill you should develop. If you play this game, you walk away with something of value. I mean, that's not a terrible point to make. Yeah. Because I mean, when you think of video games, like I, I think of stuff like Tetris and things like that. Like, never really been a big fan of shooters and stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love Resident Evil and stuff like that. But just to kind of kick back and just play, like, Tetris or Dr. Mario and stuff like that, like, I'm always going to gravitate more towards those kind of games. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. But let's go ahead and move into... Let me pull it up here. This month in video game history... In February of 1982, Atari releases the early survival horror game Haunted House. Did you ever play Haunted House on an Atari 2600? I did not. Uh, the name sounds vaguely familiar, though. 
uh, I used to have this game when I was a kid. Uh, the cover art always kind of creeped me out. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. You just got like a pair of eyes floating there and a spider next to it. Um, let's see. John asked us if we listen to any VGM podcasts. Do you know what the... I don't know what VGM podcast oh, is. video game podcast. Oh. Um, yeah, I I like listening to Boop. And um, I used to listen to a bunch of them back in the day, but a lot of the ones that I used to listen to aren't around anymore. The only one that I still somewhat listen to is Nintendo Voice Chat by IGN. Yeah, but I, they, they had a lot of turnover as far as their hosts go, and it's not as good as it used to be. I still check it out. Like If the topic is interesting, I'll listen to it, but I'm not like a regular yeah. listener of it. I still listen to the instance, even though I... Um, Really don't haven't played WoW in a long time. I still like to listen to the to the instance because I just I just like that show. But um, I mean, if you kind of like also, a, like just general podcast about video games, Boop is really good. He says you guys are my favorite video game, mostly talking podcast. Aw, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. But uh, the next one's all you. Let's see. In February 20th of 1987, Konami releases a little-known game hmm. called Contra. One of the few games I've, I actually uh, streamed and actually beat. <laughs> All the other games I never finished. I will say it still has some of my favorite cover art from oh, any video yeah. game. I still say Contra's in my top, one of, in, in my top favorite NES games. If I were to ever, you know, achieve the dream of being a filmmaker, I would make a Contra movie. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it would be so fun. Just who, watch every 80s action film and throw elements of it into that. Who would you cast? Because you would have to have two guys. I don't remember their names, though. What were their names in the game? Let me look that up real quick. Um, Bill and Lance. Yeah, Bill and Lance. <laughs> Bill is not, the blonde-haired commando with, with the white tank top and blue bandana, and Lance is the shirtless, dark-haired commando in the red uh, bandana. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. If he's shirtless, it would obviously have to be Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, we got to put the rock in there. I mean, he's in everything. Here's so. now. Here's here's what I would do. <laughs> I would cast John Cena as Bill, and Lance would be the that. Rock. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. We're 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 in sync tonight, is what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> no, that, and it would be so over the top. It would be oh. amazing. When I get in Hollywood to make movies, or if you you get if you get there, whoever gets there first, we're gonna buy the rights to Contra and make yes. a movie. Uh, moving on, uh, February 12th of 1987. 1987? Oh, uh, the 1988's in there, too. I thought that was a big year, but I didn't see the 1988 there. Uh, and February 12th, 1987, Infocom releases Bureaucracy from author Douglas Adams. If you don't know who that is, he did um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But mm -hmm. I have never heard of Bureaucracy, the video game. I haven't either. Looks like it says an interactive fiction video game released in 1987. The player is challenged to confront a long and complicated series of bureaucratic hurdles resulting from a recent change of address. It's an interesting concept hmm. for a game. 
Oh, because uh, mail isn't being delivered, bank accounts are inaccessible, and nothing is as it should be. Hmm, that sounds not fun. Sounds <laughs> sounds like a game you would play at school. Yeah. Um, but uh, John says he hasn't played Contra in over twenty years, and why hasn't Nintendo put it on Wii or Wii U Shop Channel? I'm ready for him to put it on the Nintendo Switch Online. They uh, that you'd think that would be like one of the first orders of business. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, we won't get into the shop channel right yeah. now. <laughs> Drink while uh, Yeah. Let's let's see. Uh, February tenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Enix releases Dragon Quest three. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is also the sequel to Dragon Quest one and two. Wow, you didn't know that. Would have never wow. guessed that. Wow. <laughs> also in February of nineteen eighty-eight, LJN. Ugh. Releases town and country surf designs, Wooden Water Rage, a skateboarding and surfing game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I used to love TNC surf designs when I was a kid, but man, that game does not hold up at all. I love the art for that game. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I found that game so fun when I was a kid, but playing it now is like hitting yourself in the face with a hammer. I wonder if Rare. Uh, wonder if this is where Rare got the inspiration for Funky Kong from Maybe. Donkey Kong Country. I don't know. I used what to that hate the surfing of. part, though. The surfing part was crap. Oh, really? Yeah, I always like the uh, the never heard of that part. game before. Oh, I loved that game. It was one of the few good games I thought was that was put out by LJN. But then, like the older I got, the more I realized it sucked. Yeah. Let's see. Also in February of 1988, Capcom releases Gunsmoke, a vertical scrolling shooter arcade game. This Wild West themed game was designed by, I'm not even going to try and say the name. Yoshiki Uh, Okamoto. There you go. Gunsmoke centers on a character named Billy Bob in the NES version, a bounty hunter who is after vicious criminals of the Wild West. I used to have this for the NES when I was a kid, but I tr- I, I traded it for something, and I don't remember. What, I probably traded it for TNC Surf Designs. But uh, Gunsmoke was a great game, and it's kind of hard to find these days. It's actually kind of expensive to get your hands on a copy of it, a good copy. I had no idea this was a game. It's It's really good. Uh, at really? least I remember it being really good. Interesting. But, yeah, it was um, also available for PS2, uh, PS1, <laughs> and the Xbox. Wow, I did not know that. Interesting. It's a good game. 
Uh, also in February of 1993, Nintendo releases Star Fox for the Super NES, the first game to use the new Super FX chip. Very groundbreaking game yeah. for the Super Nintendo with the graphics and the, it, that game is so hard, but it's really fun. I used and to it think started that, one of the most underrated franchises in Nintendo, in my opinion. I used to think that game looked so good when I was a kid, but you go back and play it now, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> uh, do you remember that cartoon reboot? It was from mm-hmm. like the early to mid-90s. It was like a, in the early days of when CG animation, like that, almost like the Pixar look, was becoming popular. I don't remember that. It looks so bad now, and that's what makes me think of Star Fox. But still, one of my favorite games for the Super Nintendo. And finally, also in February of 93, Lucasfilm releases Star Wars X-Wing, a space simulation video game, the first of the X-Wing combat flight simulator game series for DOS, Macintosh, Windows, and Linux. I used to have this for my old Hewlett-Packard back in the day. I even had me a... uh... A joy, um, you know, a really good flight stick that I used to play it with. I used to have this. I had uh, Tie Fighter and mm-hmm. um, Rebel Assault. I used to love playing these games. This was one of the games that I used to watch my uncle play after school as a kid. Yeah, it was this one, um, Tie Fighter and Dark Forces. Oh, I had Dark were, Forces were, too. Were the uh, were the Star Wars games that I would watch? Oh, they're so good. So no, I I remember this game very well. They probably look awful now, but. Oh, well. (laughs) We still have the nostalgia. Yes, we do. But tonight, we, Derek is going to review a game that I tried to review, but I just couldn't do it. So it fell on Derek's shoulders. So tonight, we're going to be talking about... Don't you just love that music? Nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many episodes are we on with uh, this show now? We are on 121 right now. So, 121 episodes. We've done a lot of reviews. Mm-hmm. We've reviewed a lot of games. We've had some great reviews. And we've reviewed a lot of great games. <laughs> this is not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, boy. So, uh, call me crazy, but this game was released on the Switch online shop. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And mm-hmm. the game I'm talking about is the the legendary, or I guess infamous is what I should say. Yeah. Uh, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It is an action role-playing video game with platforming elements. That's a very key phrase to remember for this Mm -hmm. review, which is the second installment in the Legend of Zelda series. It was developed and published by Nintendo for the family computer disk system on January 14th, 1987, less than a year after the original Zelda was released and seven months before North America saw the release of the first Zelda title. It's still crazy to think about back then just the gap between games that would be released in Japan before they would make it over here. 
so where to start with this game? Hmm. I will say it's not as just completely terrible as I remember it because I have very... I have very vague memory of playing this game as a kid. You know, I remember I've told the story countless times of how I was introduced to the original Legend of Zelda, fell in love with it, and just couldn't get enough of it. And that was what introduced me into my love of Zelda. And I remember playing Zelda 2 briefly, but it's very different than the original Zelda because it 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 looks different, it feels different. You know, the the original Zelda has that top-down view. Yeah. You go into your dungeons, you solve puzzles and things like that. And that element still exists to a point, but they made it a side-scrolling platformer, which had this been its own standalone thing, I don't think it would have gotten nearly the flack that it did. But I think when you just drastically change something that worked, it was just a mistake. That was always my biggest gripe with this game was it's not meant to be a side scroller. No, if they would have, I, I, I wouldn't have minded the overworld aspect of it. You know, moving, going the the overworld, going from town to town and things like that. If they would have just kept it top down, going into the dungeons, yeah. I think I would have liked it a lot better. But I hated, I still hate going into town having to like go in the buildings and talk to people like you're trying to like talk to somebody and they just keep walking away from you. And, you're, and I'm just, uh, there's nothing about this game. I like nothing. That's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. And, and there are issues I have, even if I, cause I try to look at it objectively, even with, if you take the Zelda aspect out of it, I still have issues with the gameplay. For one, when you're trying to fight enemies, your your reach with your sword is virtually non-existent. You have to basically be right next to whatever enemy you're fighting, unless you have yeah. full health and you can shoot the the energy beam from your sword. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you have to be right next to whatever enemy it is you're fighting. And most of the a lot of the em- enemies are just ridiculously difficult to kill. Yeah, like like, like the Armus Knights are frustratingly hard. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I died in, in the first temple. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I only made it to, to the second one. Like that, that's how long it took me to beat the first one. Like what, once I really got the, a handle on it and could compensate for it, then, then it was okay. But, um, let's see, where's the story of this thing? All right. So here's the plot. Several years after the events of The Legend of Zelda, the now 16-year-old Link notices a strange mark on the back of his left hand, exactly like the crest of Hyrule. He he seeks out Impa, who takes him to the North Castle, where a door has been magically sealed for generations. Impa places the back of Link's left hand on the door, and it opens, revealing a sleeping maiden, who it turns out is Zelda, but not the Zelda from the first game. (laughs) She is the princess of Hyrule from long ago. She's basically the first Zelda. Uh, Zelda's brother tried to force her into telling their recently deceased father's secrets concerning the Triforce. She refused, and through a uh, botched spell, she was put to sleep. Hmm. So your objective is to go to six different temples and place these crystals in statues. And then from there, you go 
basically to the great palace where you get the Triforce of Courage. This game actually does introduce a couple of reoccurring things that happen later on in the franchise. Like I, it introduces actually one of my favorite elements from the entire franchise, and that's Link's doppelganger, huh. Dark Link. You know, yeah. it's, that was one of the cooler parts of Ocarina of Time when you're in the water temple and you're in that white room with the tree in the middle, and you turn around and you can kind of see the vague shadow of Dark Link, and then you have to fight him. Yeah, like that 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 element was cool, and it introduces. I never got that far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I haven't either, but I knew that that was where he was introduced. Um, basically, what you do is you you're there's an overworld, like you said before, and you have to go to different towns and different, um, different temples, and it's 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 like a Zelda game in in that aspect, as you explore you puzzle solve and things like that. But I'm not going to lie. The side scrolling aspect really kind of takes me out of, of the game. Like it's, I really did try to play this like a year ago so I could uh, review it, but I hated it so much. Like I just, I didn't get very far into it. I played it for maybe three or four hours, and I was just like, I can't do it. I just can't it, do it. It really doesn't feel like a Zelda game. Mm-mm. At, at all. It doesn't feel like Zelda at all to me. And that's a shame because there there are elements of the game that are not bad. Like, I don't hate the story. I mean, I, I, I don't like that the Zelda is not the same one from the first game. Like if it were just a direct sequel and say that Zelda is put to sleep and you take out like the brother backstory, like you could say it was she was put to sleep by a mysterious force and that turns out to be Link's doppelganger. Yeah. Like I think that would have been fine. But I think the having the original or in quotations, the original Zelda was kind of pointless. So even the there are elements of the story I like, but that I'm. I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. So, I mean, really, other than that, I mean, there's not really a ton of positive things I can say about the game. I, I, I'll be honest. I really, really did try. <sighs> I thought, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do it because I know we haven't reviewed this game yet. I will, I will be a team player. I will take one for the team, but <laughs> I just. And I wanted to like it. I really did. I wanted to give it a shot, but it it just does not even feel like a Zelda game. Yeah. It says, uh, for much of the series' three-decade history, the game served as the only technical sequel to the original title, as all other entries in the series were either prequels or occurred in an alternate alternative reality, according to the official Zelda timeline. This eventually changed with the release of the Legend uh, Breath of the Wild, which serves as the latest chapter in the overall continuity. It says this game was a critical and financial success, introduced elements such as Link's magic meter and the Dark Link character that would become commonplace. Um, Although the role-playing elements such as experience points in the platform-style side-scrolling and limited lives have not been used since in canonical games. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. And there there are, as far as the side-scrolling aspect goes, there is one more thing I wanted to throw in there. 
it has been used since then because there are elements of uh, Link's Awakening when you're in dungeons. But I'm sure they're done much better. <laughs> well, and it, it's not the focal point of the gameplay. Like for the most part, it's a very traditional playing Zelda with the top-down view. Yeah. When you go like in a a basement in the dungeon, it turns to the side-scrolling aspect of it. But you do it for like maybe two or three screens. Yeah. And then that I don't mind at all. You, climb, that I you get... climb up the steps, and then when you're back in the dungeon, it's back to your traditional view. Like that, that to me was a good way to use that element. Yeah, it's in small doses, and and that's and that aspect was fine. Uh, it actually says here the side-scrolling gameplay and experience system are similar to features of the Castlevania series, which, from a look standpoint, I can get that. But I thought Castlevania handled that much better. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, other than that, there's really not... I know it's a short review, but there's not really a ton that I can say about this game. Is I that, have nothing good to say about it at all. <laughs> I mean, on one, on one side, I'll give Nintendo the, the credit for trying something different, but I think it also taught them the lesson that Zelda is not Mario. And if you notice, they have not gone back to this formula since. I think that's what and they even, were trying to do. They were trying to capture what they had with Mario because, mm-hmm. you know, Shigeru Miyamoto, who originally created it, wanted to make it different than mm-hmm. the original Zelda. And I don't even think he ended up uh, directing it, did he? Uh, let me see. He was a producer. Producer. It uh, was directed by Tadashi Sug- Sugiyama, or Sugiyan, for whom it was his first project at Nintendo. <laughs> and also, Koji Kondo did not do the music, which explains a lot because the music is yeah is not good. I listened to game. some of the music on YouTube to capture, and I was just like, the only like song it. from this game that I like is the temple theme. Yeah, I, th- I was yeah, actually so, going to use that one, but I, I was like, nah, I'll go ahead and use the title screen music. For um, for Smash Brothers, they actually have an orchestrated version of that song, and it's actually very good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The crazy thing is, this game actually got good reviews, <laughs> which is my, yeah, like, let's see, IGN gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Nintendo Power, 72 out of 100. Play gave it a 91 out of 100. Uh, Famitsu gave it 36 out of 40. So it's... I, I don't get it. Nintendo Power gave, I, gave it Game of the Year in 1988. I want to see what other games came out in 1988. Uh, a lot games of games released. came out in 88. In 1988. Uh, let's see, Mario Brothers Two, mm-hmm. Double Dragon Two, Mario Brothers Three. Uh, let's see. No, Mario Brothers Three didn't come out till ninety. Why is it saying eighty-eight here? I don't know. That's weird. Oh, it was released in Japan in eighty-eight. Oh, it came out okay. in North America in ninety. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Altered Beast is that old? 
Oh yeah, I think that was actually one of the first pack-in games for the Sega Genesis when it came out. Holy crap! Yeah, that that was the pack-in game before they came up with Sonic. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I really don't know what else I can say about this game other than what do than, you give it? <laughs> what do I give it? Yeah. On a scale of one to ten. I'd give this game, well, I always have to give at least a one for effort. <laughs> I'd give it probably at max a four. Uh, that's about where I would land. I've played much worse games, but it, it's one that, you know, you don't really hear Nintendo or anyone else talk about. Yeah. And I think rightfully so. I then like this, it. this is. I teased this earlier. This is how I would sum up this game. Zelda 2 is the final fantasy of the <laughs> Zelda franchise. Oh, you're going to make some people mad with that. <laughs> I don't think I don't think John's very happy with me giving it uh, that, because he actually says he likes Zelda 2, which I mean, I'm not knocking anybody if you like the game. I, here's the thing. I like having it in my collection because I ha I have both of the gold cartridges for Z uh, Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2. But mm. I can guarantee you, I'm not going to be touching Zelda 2 anytime soon. Yeah. And side note for anybody who's listening, you know I'm just joking about Final <laughs> Fantasy. I just like to have fun We're with gonna it. We're going to review one one of these days. I'm I'm debating breaking out a Final Fantasy joke at our panel just yeah, to see should. if I get booed. <laughs> <laughs> we should get Final Fantasy for NES and and see how that holds up. Yeah, we should. I, it's on the. It might be on the NES Classic. Maybe. I think it is. One of the, I don't remember. One of them's on there. But uh, but that brings us to the end of the show. Unless you have any other bashing you want to do of Zelda Two before we leave tonight. No, no, I, I think I'm good. All right. <laughs> but we do want to remind everybody that we do have our uh, live show we're going to be doing at Pensacon uh, next Sunday, February 24th at 4 p.m. in the Grand Hotel Room A. We're going to be doing our live Nerd Cave Retro. We've got our official fact checker, Mr. Wally Phelps, is going to be joining us. And earlier that day, we're going to be doing the Defending Bad Movies panel. Uh, that same day, Sunday, February 24th at 1.30 p.m. in the Grand Hotel Room B. Yeah, both. Um, well, yeah, Wally will be joining us for the Nerd Cave Retro panel. He'll also be on mm -hmm. the Defending Bad Movies panel. Uh, that I am super excited to do. Like, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be fun. And for those that, that can't make it, I will be recording that panel for the Derek Diamond experience. So you'll get, um, if you if you listen to both shows, you'll get two Pensacon episodes in one week. Um, let's see, John also said something about Final Fantasy. He said Final Fantasy 3 for Super Nintendo would be a good game to review if you did one. I was actually thinking about that. Yeah. No, mm. at some point soon, I think we we need to do it. We've we've hated on them for long enough. I think yeah. we've got to show them some love. I think we have to. But that's yeah. going to bring us to the end of the show. Derek, anything you want to throw out there before we leave tonight? No, just be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Uh, new episodes are available every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. 
And you can follow the show on social media at D Diamond Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and get out of here for tonight. What do you say? Let's do it. Oops. Uh, I shouldn't do that. Let me... There we go. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And individually at jfantastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Go throw us a couple of bucks a month over on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we get back up to that $50 mark. We'll be doing extra episodes every month. And you know you want that. And also, before we go, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the show, whatever platform you listen to. If they let you leave a review, please leave one. So, Derek, tell everybody what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Wow. Wow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.